Welcome to Conversations in Time, a podcast brought to you by Joe Malone London and British GQ, discussing mental health and general well-being. Open conversations about real-life experiences affecting us past, present and future. Hello, um, my name's Stuart Lawrence. I'm the younger brother of Steve Lawrence and I'm here today to interview Mr Governor B. Hey Dan, I'm Governor B. I'm a rapper, author and broadcaster and it's a pleasure to be here. No worries. And, and, and as I said to you as we came in, this, this is a, a guilty pleasure of mine because um, <laughs> I've been watching you from afar for a long time and I must confess I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm, I definitely would put that out there. And it's just been so beautiful to see your growth and your progress, especially over the last year with the pandemic and then your book mm. dropped. And for me, I was just like, wow. Um, and it dropped at such a time where I think all of us needed that time to really reflect yeah, and to understand of who we are as people and how we've been shaped and moulded by not just our own thoughts and feelings, but those around us. Mm. And how, in a, in a modern day now, how do we, how do we, how are we able to be our best selves? And not only for our, our partners, but also for our children and then also for the community as well. And for me, um, like I said, I've, I've been reading your book and what struck me and showed me there were so much parallels. Yeah, I've been reading yours as well, man, so well done. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, as I said, it, it was... And, and for me, two things I'd like to start off by saying was the acknowledgement and the way that you wrote and spoke about your son, even though he wasn't able to, able to read it yet. Yeah. Which, again, reminded me of my own journey with my own son, um... And as I said, for me, there, there's there's so many kindred spirits that I, that I want to hopefully touch across in this conversation around grief, around mental health, around being a man, being a black man mm. um, in today's society and how do we equip ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves. Like I said, not only for ourselves, but for our young children as well. Yeah, it's Growing important, up in a complicated man. world. I think my son, you know, having him just before lockdown was a game changer for me because there's things that I looked at in my dad um, that I thought, ah, oh, you do these things amazingly. Like, you work really hard for the family and, and that's great. But then also there's things like communication and being vulnerable and talking about your feelings, which he didn't do that well. Yeah. And I'm a bit further along than he was. And then I look at my son and I'm like, I want my son to be way better than me. Definitely. And so I think the book was very much inspired by, yeah, the next generation, man, and thinking about... Remember when we was in school and yeah. he used to go into the library, pick a book... I used to never really see books that really related to me where I was at as a black man from, you know, council of state culture and that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to write this for, for those kids in school, do you know what I mean? Pick this up and hear, like, a couple of black men talking about real issues that Definitely. you might be facing. So, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I think by, by talking about it openly mm. as well with pure honesty and, 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 and putting your heart on the line, for me, again, is, is a real eye-opener and a real game-changer because... There's there's so much bravado. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much bravado. Yeah. There's so much uh, that is seen to be what it is, but it's not real. Yeah. And I for me that, yeah. as well, um, I like to tell people this story at the time. So you know, I'm a school teacher. A kid comes in and says, oh, Mr. Lawrence, the world is flat. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such and such on Instagram said the world is flat. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> so... I church at 1.2 million followers this person at the t- at the time and this, this is what I'm talking about 10 years ago and I'm mm. like 
wow, here I am in a little old school in southwest London trying to do my best for 150 girls that come in every year and 150 girls that leave every year. And you can say one little off-the-cuff yeah. comment of, I just feel like this today. <laughs> and real have real influence mm. and, and change people's minds and thinking behind things that we've known for hundreds of years of the way of being. Yeah. What, you mean the world's not flat? <laughs> no. <laughs> it appears at times. It appears at times. But again, it's that perception of things, isn't it? Of, of how, again, we are supposed to be perceived to be something. Yeah, 100%. And, and again, I guess the way the book landed for me, especially after Sarah, Sarah Evergard as well, mm. and those, those honest conversations where I'm even having to look at conversations I've had with my own friends mm. and the language that I've used. Yeah. And, and really question it. Yeah, I think the bravado thing's so interesting. Just the other day, I was talking to some of my boys um, that I grew up with on the estate in East London, and when we was around fifteen, one of our friends got murdered by a couple of other guys on the estate. And on a day, obviously, everyone was like super upset and stuff, but we didn't really want to show it around each other. Yeah. Um, and so the day after, it was almost as if life just went on, and we thought, you know what, we don't want to cry, we don't want to be vulnerable in front of each other because then it's almost as if we're not strong. And yeah. um, you don't really want to be vulnerable or a victim on your estate. 100%. But when we talk about it now, every single one of us struggled to sleep that night. Wow. Every single one of us cried. Every single one of us, it affected in such a big way, but we never spoke about it with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like, if we're close friends, why? Like, why don't we feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable around each other? Because it's affecting everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? And so... I just want to try and break down some of those barriers and stereotypes amongst peer groups that says as men, as young men, as working class men, as wherever you come from, whatever race you are, it's okay to yeah, talk, like, it's okay to externalise. Um, and that's the journey that I'm on, man. Definitely. And do you know what? I, I look back in my own childhood to try and work out when were those environments? And, and for me, the whole barbershop thing comes. Yeah. You know, my uncle was a barber, my cousin was a barber, so I spent from the age of about 14 to 16 working in the barbershop on a Saturday, mm. sweeping up hair. And the topic of conversation, the richness of conversation, yeah. like, it was... You could go in there feeling like, oh, my God, like the world's all going to end and come out feeling like a king. Yeah. There's a little picture I've seen recently of a, a man before his haircut, you know, big belly. <laughs> he goes in, has a haircut, looks in the mirror, and all of a sudden he's got a six-pack. Yeah. But that's the analogy of it, though. And I wonder how can we create that environment elsewhere for mm. people to be able to understand that it's okay. And again, like talking about the, the boys and, and from the block and stuff. So since lockdown, we, we started up a little WhatsApp group. Mm. We started having a Zoom on our Friday nights. Just, you know, and that first Zoom was, oh, is this thing really real? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. to now where we did, and we, we had those honest conversations about losing Steve and, you know, mm. people losing family members. How mm. do you deal with that? Do you know what I love about that? You know, like, linking up with the boys on Zoom and stuff like that. It's almost like, you know, with social media, the world has got way bigger and there's so much access to information and that kind of stuff. But the bigger the world gets to us, it's like the smaller it needs to get. And so keeping those, like, real connections yeah. on Zoom with people, one-on-one, two-on-two, in little groups and stuff, 
it's so important because that's where like you build relationships that's where you build courage that's where you inspire each other um and so yeah i love that you do that man and it's inspired me to look out for the young people like in my area in my life and make sure that it's not just a shallow thing of what's going on man how you doing you good because when you say what's going on you're good to someone they're just going to be like i'm fine yeah but when you go deeper that how are you feeling? How's lockdown making you yeah, feel? Definitely. Like, what effects does the pandemic have on you? Like, a few people have lost loved ones and that. Definitely. Where's your mind at? Definitely. You build, like, much deeper relationships. And I 100%. feel like when you speak to someone that's been through a mad thing, it gives them hope that, ah, oh, if you're getting through it, then I can get through it too. Definitely. Do you know what I'm saying? Definitely. So, And that's the one key thing. And that's why I, I as, as, as it's a burden and as, it's not a burden, that's the wrong word to not use a burden. Mm. As much as it is a, a, a heart pull and a string tug on my own heart, every time I speak about Stephen and I go into schools and I do that sort of stuff, I always say to people, if it helps one young person, yeah. then I'm doing bits. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to have millions of like mm. as long as I know every day I can help one person just yeah. on their journey I think that's the right word there courage mm. and everyone underestimates that word of courage really does mm. like because when you think about it, it it has to come from somewhere and usually that usually is stemmed from your family environment yeah well courage is it's from the word encourage yeah. so if I don't encourage you yeah. from my position it's almost like I'm robbing you of courage yeah, definitely. but the moment I start encouraging you that bro like keep going man you can do it it builds you up do you know what I'm saying and the thing I love about when you talk about such a painful time in your life of losing your brother it's almost like that pain it has a bit of purpose attached to it like alright that was a horrible thing that happened yeah but it can't just be a horrible thing. Definitely. There's got to be, it sounds so weird saying it, but there's got to be something positive that comes out of it. And if that positive thing that comes out of it is I can help other people feel like they're not alone or they can get through a negative situation, then we've got to take that, man. Definitely. And I feel a similar similar way about, you know, losing my dad and a yeah. few friends and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's... it's, it's and, and I'd, I'd like to sort of touch on the time thing as well because that's what I picked up from your, your book as well, mm. the importance of time. And how everyone just thinks, oh, it's right, man. Tomorrow, man, <laughs> it's fine, man. I'll, I'll, I'll get you. I'll... Mm. And and I really want to stress to people that again, that's the moments now. Yeah, the moments now to to seize the time to do whatever. Mm. Because I say to young people, you don't know if you're going to get it tomorrow. Mate, I wish tomorrow, and pray yeah. that you do. I really do. But you know, I, I, I've got this thing where you know, before I go to sleep every night, and I, I know, like. Mm. I pray and hope yeah. that when I when if I wake up tomorrow that I'm a better person than I was the day before, I was that day there. That's that's I know how what you I, know, man. But it's, like, it's hard, and again, that was quite again quite emotional to to read and to hear that someone else has that thought of their time. Hundred man, and I I don't look at it as a morbid thing. Yeah, definitely not. I look at it as appreciation because on the day that my dad passed, he passed in like 2017 short battle of cancer and I was there when he passed away and I was able to just look at him and all I could think was rah you just lived for 58 years and you just worked and worked and worked and you didn't even really get to enjoy like the fruits of your labor or really appreciate life and so I know how fragile life can be I know that every second is valuable and obviously life happens and there's stuff that we've got to worry about and bills that we've got to pay but when you wake up in the morning bro I don't think your heart's beating by accident. I feel like you've got purpose, man, and there's something that we can achieve. So I just always try and like help people capture that, man. I just you know what I mean? That's my new line to young people, which mm. is, 
who woke up this morning and thought today could be the day that could change your life? Yeah, word. I woke up this morning. Who thought I'd be chatting to you having this conversation? Do you know eh? what? You get energised by it. A hundred percent. And, and I'm, that's what I'm trying to... I'm just trying to energise them. I'm just trying to mm. light that spark. And that hopefully that spark will smoulder those embers that will then one day roar into a fire. Because yeah. And there's knows? a reality around it as well, you know, because, you know, there's an innocence around being a young person 100%. where... Ah, yeah. Life's going to be amazing. I'm going to, I don't know, play for England, tour the world. Yeah, 100%. And then you hit, like, trauma and tragedy, and it's like, oh, life's not as great as I thought it was. But it isn't for anyone, and that's not to downplay anything, but there's still, like, a positive attitude we can have towards living a life um, that sometimes throws in curveballs, you know? And that's what I say. It's a, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? And, mm. and sometimes we're just on the hum, which is you know you're just coming up. You might be coming up to something like a big drop. Yeah, or you might be coming up to a big. <laughs> but you don't know. And and yeah. someone said to me recently about enjoying the journey. Really enjoying the journey because we have all got things, goals like I want to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to go here. Great, but if you don't enjoy the process of that, mm. when you get there, you're like, oh. It just, I, I thought I'd feel different from this because yeah. you build it up to be something so much. And I really want to encourage people to th- think about that as well, which again mm. boils back into the time, which all boils back down into the process, which all just boils down to yeah. and trying to enjoy it. That journey thing is mad interesting, man. Because I don't know about you, but even when I finish writing a book and yeah. I look back, or when I do something cool with music and won the awards and all that kind of stuff. It's never the final destination that is the most satisfying for me. Like, yeah. I would think, oh, it'd be the mobile award. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would yeah, be yeah, like yeah, seeing definitely. a book in Waterstones. Yeah. But when I look back, it's the, the journey, it's the writing, it's the tough times, it's the writer's block, it's, it's the time, <laughs> the hours in the studio. That's what's the most satisfying. Yeah, so, like, definitely. it's so true, man. The journey is, is often underrated, but I don't know, for me, it's more important than the destination, man. Like, how did you feel when the book landed in that? <sighs> I, do you know what? I'm I'm a night owl, and I I, I love the writer's block thing because there was <laughs> there was the first part of it all when I was just sitting there going, do you know, so what am I going to write about? And, so, and I, I sort of I said, can you send me some questions? <laughs> so they sent me some questions. And I was like, can, can you send me some more questions? <laughs> but um, yeah, but no, for me, I, I, that's the hardest thing of anything that I do. The starting mm. part of it all, and I, I'm a big procrastinator. Yeah. I do something called procrastination Wednesdays, and I just go on my live, and I just when I was supposed to be working, I just go hello. <laughs> And people just talk to me and go, are you supposed to be doing something? I'm like, yeah. And then people just on my phone will start ringing. Um, but again, I, again, so what I've now done, like I've said, is, is try to enjoy those little bits of blockage yeah, and, and know that by just veering off a little bit, someone will say something that will go, oh my God, that's wicked. Yeah. And then that will spark me. And that's why, again, I think this is what, for me, the pandemic was hard. I'm not even going to lie to people as well because like um, I say to people, so week three mm. crashed didn't know what to do with myself. And then week seven, crashed. And then so I was like, okay, cool. And I spoke to my cousin, she's like, just start cooking. Like, you love cooking, just... Yeah. All right, can I just say, <laughs> to everyone listening to this, yeah, man rolled up to the studio and had baked cupcakes for everyone. I can't believe it, bruv. I've Listen, never had that I, in my life. I, I tell people all the time, I'm from the West Indian background, like, you can't come empty-handed. That's the first thing. And the second thing is... I love cooking. I, that for me, yeah. the the joy of 
cooking and giving to others again it's just part of my character it's kind of embarrassed me though because the <laughs> whole team's looking at you with these cupcakes I've got nothing in my hand bruv <laughs> your presence is more than enough brother man seriously <laughs> your presence is more than enough no. yeah but no yeah I get what you're saying about the pandemic I think for me it was a similar story really but I wasn't as proactive as you with picking up a new skill and I think there were so pe- so many people that oh yeah I'm baking now or I learn how to play the piano or I'm riding my bike more I was just chilling bro yeah <laughs> just trying to get through and I think my son was a big part of 100%, it 100% man because like, normally I'm out touring yeah. from like May to September yeah but if there was one good thing that came out of the pandemic, I didn't miss his first word, his first steps, and you just kind of look at the blessings in life that sometimes you can overlook. Um, so that was special for me, man. And, and I say to people at the time, especially as a, as, a, as a new dad, I say... Yeah, it goes quick. Everyone's I, telling me that, but... I, I, sh- I remember, it's etched in my mind, I held my son in this hand here like this, and I looked at him, down at him, and he looked back at me, and I just thought, wow, my life's changed forever. And mm. now he's 10... Right. Like he's kicking ball, he goes to secondary school soon. Crazy. Like I was saying to people, another three or four years, he's not going to want to be seen with me. <laughs> like, who? That's who? Listen, I went to his school the other day to do a book reading, and um, so three of his classes were there, and he, he hid. Like, he, he's quite a shy kid. Like, he's, he's not, um, and like, he's, he was there hiding. And I just sort of like, I was like, okay, cool, I'm not going to embarrass him too much. But then every now and again, I just felt myself <laughs> in that dad moment of going, oh, yes, yeah, so and my son. <laughs> and, I, and I keep telling him, and everyone kept looking at him, and I was like, yeah, but. Um, That's mad to me, though, because you're actually like, you know, you're quite a cool dad. You're quite stylish. Like, you've got Adidas trainers on. So my dad would have rolled up with some, I don't know. Deodora on the left foot, Ascot on the right foot, bruv. I wouldn't want to be seen with him. He's never going to see you as the cool dad. And that's yeah. why I tried to find, as godfathers, like the coolest of my friends, yeah. the most out there. My wife was like, you can't pick him. I was like, yeah, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm picking my wildest friend because I want him to know that his dad is cool. Like his dad was out there. Like, yeah. Because again, I, um, that whole thing about parenting, and uh, this is also, so I always say to parents as a teacher, like it's, it's never going to be a friendship. Mm. It can't be because there's friends we're equal yeah we're here we're plat up like we're here it has to be a, a, a step above him as an adult as a child and what happens is as you get older as a child mm. the, the the equalness just re- reduces slightly mm. and but then always there's a line like even though now as we're growing people with our mums there's a line yeah, for real so there's like, a line you will not yeah there's overstep. a respect there that you're an adult exactly just know your place still, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean exactly. exactly so that's what I'm hoping with my son that as as, as, as he gets older the, 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 the equalist because I said to me he said why can you tell me what to do <laughs> It's like, what? But the thing is could you ever say that to your dad <laughs> this is what I keep on saying to my wife I was like hold on a minute <laughs> I don't ever. I'll keep racking my brains. My dad's six two. Like mm. he's a, he was a big guy. Like he, yeah. he and he worked super hard. So, like if if my mum said, "Wait till your dad comes home," yeah, you know what's you happening. You know it's on. Like, but um, how do you feel like things have changed? Like, are there things that you know that your dad did with you that you're going to do with your son, and things that you <sighs> might do differently? Hundred um, percent. My wife keeps on saying to me, oh, "You're so like your dad." <laughs> and and that, that cuts sometimes because, like I said, it, we're supposed to be an evolution of our dads, like dad 2.0. Yeah. So I'd say the definitely the thing is, I, I always say to my son, no. My favourite word to my son is no. Because as far as I'm concerned, we need a good cop and bad cop scenario. My mm. wife will always say yes. She's an absolute joy and softy and mm. cuddle and... <laughs> 
And I, 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 I want him to understand that the love I have for him, we have for him, not everyone's going to have that love. There's a Chris, yeah. uh, no, Chris Rock, yeah, there's a Chris Rock sketch where he says about that, where he's talking about his kids. The love that we have in this household isn't the same love that everyone has for you outside this household. And you need to understand that. And so by me saying no to him is, is the reality of life because mm-hmm. not everyone's going to say yes to you. Mm. How about the whole? Sorry, it's because you're no, a man of wisdom. So I'm like, while well, I'm here, I yeah, got just go, bro. Go, but bro. in terms of like the vulnerability thing, yeah. you know, you've dealt with grief, yeah. the mental health stuff, and you're on your journey. But in terms of modeling that for our sons, so that they can, do you know what I'm saying, be in a healthy mind state to be vulnerable yeah. and be honest when they need to be. How do you kind of approach that, man? And I definitely say it's, it's not a complete journey. I'm not. Mm. Everyone thinks or, or, or assumes that I'm completely fixed yeah I'm not mm-hmm. there, none of us are and and there's days where I just don't want to speak to no one don't want to go nowhere you know there's days where and there's, there's, there's so much synergy where you know the bitter sweetness that you talk about in your book about who you are and, and your wife's analogy of what a relationship and what yeah. life should be compared to what our lives have been and our yeah. relationships models have been is so a kindred and which which made me think which you're right because I'm not a diff- I'm, a, I'm the most difficult person to live with. <laughs> yeah, same. Man. I know yeah. I am. I'm, I'm, and and yes, some of that's been part of what I've been through. But then, like my son cried yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Why are you crying for?" Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was talking to him about about some football thing, and, he's, and I was like, "Why are you crying for?" And like, he, he just couldn't. And I think that's that's where I need to get better about allowing him to understand to say. And I said to him, "It's okay, you're crying. Like, just, yeah. I just want to know why you're upset." Mm. But he couldn't find the words. Yeah, so you're and trying I, to kind of help him communicate. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because I want him to be able to be open. Because it's a it's a blocker. Yeah, being able not to be able to be vulnerable and to be able to cry and to be able to release and let go. Even that's progress, though. Hundred percent. I know my dad loved me. Yeah. Yeah. But if he saw me crying, automatically he's like, "Stop crying." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't want to know why I was yeah, crying yeah, just yeah. stop crying straight yeah, away so 100%. the fact that now we're at a point where it's well tell me why or yeah. try and figure out why that's that's progress for and, me, but I, I wasn't at the beginning that that whole mm. and again that's why I'm not a prime school teacher because yeah. I can't as soon as a kid cries <laughs> butter I'm melted <laughs> what do you want how can I yeah of course yeah what extra ice creams yeah come on like anything yeah. so I just knew I couldn't be a primary school teacher because that environment there's a lot of crying in that mm. environment whereas you know a bit older but again so I've got to get better at that I've got to um, understand that because again you tried to, I, I tried in the early days crying was attached to grief and losing mm, someone yeah anyone else that cried for anything else like what are you crying for yeah. like, what are you crying for did like, you get that thing though with you know obviously what you went through where it was actually like super super painful yeah and then you got someone that might cry because I don't know someone was rude to them at work and it's like bruv you yeah. don't know pain man. that's not real pain 100% you know what I mean and, and that again hardened me in the early part which I think I needed a little bit mm. to get through. Yeah, like a coping mechanism kind Definitely. of thing. And, and again, that's what I've realised over the spread of time. You give yourself, like, everything can you put, they're coping mechanisms. That's yeah. what you did by shutting down, by not speaking to people, by going into your music. They're all coping mechanisms that you just yeah. built in for yourself to deal with the situation at the yeah, time. Yeah, initially it's just, it's survival, 100%. you know what I mean? And then when 100%. you get out of that survival stage, that's when I'm like, oh, actually... 
all right, my wife's crying because she's had a bad day at work. Just because I've lost my dad doesn't mean that she's she's not got a right to feel how she feels. 100%. Because it made me too hard. Yeah. And so then after I got through survival stage, I had to try and then soften my heart again. Yeah, definitely. Which is like a tough process in it of itself, definitely. man. Definitely. But I think that's that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Mm. Learning how to be vulnerable and to soften your heart for those that deserve and need it from you. Yeah, yeah, facts. Because it's not not everyone you need to show that side to. Mm. Again, we talk about that council state, that 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 status, that that environment. If mm. you were to be too, then that vulnerability will be set upon by other people. Yeah, you'd be a victim, man. Yeah, and and again, that's that fine balance between. And I always say to people, I'm not a victim. Mm. I'm not a victim of this. Mm. I'm not. Mm. But I will use my experiences, my knowledge to help others. And yeah. I will talk about it, and that doesn't make me a victim talking about it. Mm. It just—I just want to highlight the journey and the progress that I've made in myself. Yeah, really, that's great, man. This has been Conversations in Time with Joe Malone, London, and British GQ. For more conversations, find us on Acast. <laughs>